All right, I love these screens that Susie puts up concerning the Word of God. God's Word is your most powerful weapon, and it most certainly is. We can depend on God's Word. It is powerful. It does not come back void. It's something that we need to apply to our lives every single day. Now, I mentioned that we are talking this morning, the title of the message again is After Resurrection, and this morning we're going to be speaking about Paul's encounter. And when we look at the differences I've been preaching about after the resurrection up until now, I've, I've addressed where Jesus has appeared after the resurrection, but before his ascension. As a matter of fact, that's what we talked about last week. We talked about how Jesus was ascended and the disciples were standing there and they watched him go up and we talked about that. And uh, if you'll remember, there's 13 different places in the scriptures, in the gospel, that speak about his appearances after his resurrection and prior to his ascension. Now, I can't remember exactly which verse, but if you go to John, well, here, I'm going to just flip there right quick. Well, here, I've got my Bible open to it. John chapter 20 and verse 30, it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. In other words, John is saying, listen, there's a lot of times that Jesus probably appeared after the uh, resurrection and before the ascension, but they've just not been written. But he says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, that you might believe and have life through His name. So when we read about these incidences, I want you to know everything in God's Word is put there so that you might have everlasting life. Amen. It is That's why God sent us this love letter right here. He sent this love letter. I was explaining to our Sunday school class this morning that from the very beginning of the Scriptures, when we look in Genesis chapter 1 and God created the garden and, and created the earth and He put Adam and Eve in the garden, it didn't take them very long. Chapter 3, man sins against God and told Him not to eat of the fruit on the tree of good and evil or the fruit of knowledge, the good and evil. And the very first thing God has to do is He has to reconcile or He has to uh, 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 bring back the relationship of Adam and Eve back to the Lord and He had to do that by killing a lamb and shedding innocent blood so that He might continue to have that relationship. The whole Word of God is that theme. That's the theme. It is the reconciliation of God's relationship with mankind all through the Old Testament Scriptures. That's why we read about the crucifixion, God's reconciliation of mankind and sin. And if we will simply put our faith and trust in it, we believe we can have also eternal life. The Scriptures bear that out. I, there is no under, other book in the world that has the truth like the Word of God. And, and my goodness gracious, and these Scriptures prove each other over and over and over and over. Uh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing how, how truth the Word of God is. So, we, I mentioned that we, we talked about the 13 recorded incidences of Jesus after the resurrection and before His ascension. Well, the next today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about two appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. 
but after the ascension. So this morning we're going to be addressing what we know as the man named Saul. Most of us, you know, his name was changed to Paul. So Saul and Paul, that's the same person. But we're going to read about his uh, occurrence or his event where he was on the road to Damascus. Jesus appears to him and he tells him what he wants him to do. We're going to look at that. And then next week we'll look at the another, another time that Jesus appears after the resurrection. This was probably close to 90 A.D., some 60 years after his crucifixion, and he appears to John on the Isle of Patmos. You read in chapter 1 of, of the book of Revelation, and he says he turns and he sees and he begins to describe what he's seeing, and he is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is talking and seeing Jesus as Jesus reveals. Now some people like to say that this is John's revelation. This is not John's revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ is what it describes to us. So we'll be looking at that next week. But this morning, we're going to be discussing and talking about the, the appearance of Jesus Christ after the resurrection and after His ascension. So I want us to kind of... I want to look back in a little bit of history here. Now, I'm not going to read all of these scriptures that are up there, but I do want us to kind of understand this Apostle Paul when his name was Saul and his, his purpose here on this earth. And I want to read some scriptures and give us kind of a history of the church, where it started and then how he comes into play. I want to read a scripture that I think might be uh, kind of unknown. It's not many years ago that I this scripture just jumped off the page at me. But I want us to notice Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. That's a scripture I want us to start with. This is one of those, hey, it'd probably be real good to underline this one because it's not one that jumps off the page at many people. Because when we read this scripture and we look at what's taking place uh, time-wise, we read this scripture that in Acts 11 and 19 it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineas, Cyprus, and Antioch. Now listen to this phrase right here. Preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now, let's go, whoa, I didn't realize the disciples and the believers, all of them that were saved on the day of Pentecost, I did not know that they didn't go into the world and start preaching the gospel to Gentiles. No, no, no. It tells us right here that they went to the Jews only. So how long after Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave did this happen? Well, it tells us right there that it was after Stephen was martyred and Stephen was stoned. And we're going to look at that in just a few minutes. So we can, we can look. The time that, she, that Stephen was stoned was probably 36 or 37 A.D. So if we look at the Scriptures and the study I've done, I mean, I, I believe that Jesus was crucified in 31 A.D. Now you can go do your study. You will see that there's many that believe that he was crucified as early as 26 A.D. and as far as 33 A.D. 
But the study that I've done and, and the kings that were ruling at the time and uh, the governors that were in place, I believe that it was 31 A.D. So if Stephen was stoned around 36 or 37 A.D., I, I, I hope I'm not losing you with these numbers. Do you realize that after Jesus' resurrection, that there's a period of five or six years there that the Jews have the knowledge and the understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they had proclaimed it to no one but Jews only for a period of five or six years. I, I think maybe a lot of people don't recognize that. And maybe not recognizing that, we don't realize the importance of who Paul we're going to read about him in a minute. His name is Saul before his name was changed. But we're going to realize the significance of the ministry that God called him. On the road to the Damascus, Jesus appeared after the resurrection and spoke directly to Paul. And he says, I've got a mission for you and your mission. The Jews have rejected me as their Messiah. Now I want you to go to the Gentiles. We're going to see that this morning. So this is why this is an important message this morning. As a result of this message is why salvation has been made as an opportunity for you and me, us Gentiles, for eternal life. So let's just begin uh, right here at the beginning. Acts chapter 1. If you want to flip back to Acts chapter 1, we're, going to just, we're just going to be going page at a time here just for a few minutes. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9... We read, and this was the ascension of Jesus, and when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. We, we mentioned all of this last week in uh, His appearance there on, after the resurrection where He ascended. Again, I mentioned that this happened about 31 A.D. When you go to chapter 2, all of chapter 2 is the, the, 40, or the 50 days that followed Jesus' Uh, uh, crucifixion and it was 10 days after his ascension what we know is the day of Pentecost the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples and it was on that day that 3,000 believed Jews 3,000 Jewish believers and the Holy Spirit filled every single one of those that took place 50 days after the crucifixion and His resurrection. And we read about that right there in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, we start reading about the explosion of the church. As a matter of fact, Peter and, uh, Peter and James and John and all of them went out and they began to preach. And if you'll remember, the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leaders did not like the message that they preached. As a matter of fact, they had them arrested. They had them thrown in prison. They had them flogged. And their commandment was, when we let you go, we refuse for you to go out and preach anything in the name of who? Jesus. We don't want you preaching about Him. It has stirred up the nation. It has stirred up the people as a result of that. You'll remember on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. Then, just a week or so after that, another 2,000 were saved. 
And then it says, and many others became believers. So we have a, real quick, right off the bat, you've got a megachurch. I mean, there are lots of people believing. And all of these, again, are Jews. In Acts chapter 6, what we find taking place there, these disciples, because they've got a megachurch now, they're trying to reach all of these believers. He says, listen, us disciples making the message, he says, listen, we don't have time to wait tables. In other words, the church is big. There was a benevolence need in the church. There was widows that didn't have food to eat. And the disciples were trying to take care of that. They were trying to take care of the finances. And they said, listen, guys, we need to do something different here. Why don't you, speaking to the church, choose from amongst yourselves seven men? Wasn't long ago, right here at our church, we took those scriptures, we looked among our own people, we chose three men, and we, we ordained them to be deacons. Just like the scripture said that took place here in Acts chapter 6. And that's what they did. They took these they took these seven men, they ordained them, they prayed over them, and they gave them assignments to take care of the church so that the apostles would be able to spend their time in the Scriptures and in preaching the Word and in prayer. That's what the Scriptures tell us. So this is the process that is taking place. So again, this is we're looking at what is taking place, and when this was taking place, we again can say when these disciples were assigned was probably around 36 A.D. Now, you say, well, Brother Wayne, how did you figure that out? Well, we know, according to the Scriptures, that right after Stephen, he was one that was chosen to be this deacon or a servant here in the church, shortly after he was set aside, it was shortly after that that he was stoned. So we have the dates for all of that and, and uh, we see that it was shortly after that that he was stoned. Look with me in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Let me get there. Acts chapter 6. It tells us that after these seven men were named, Stephen, it says in verse number 8, Acts chapter 6 and verse number 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, so we understand that it was not just the apostles that had the ability to perform miracles, but it says Stephen performed many miracles and signs. He had great teaching. And as he was doing this, again, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, did not like what Stephen was saying. Because Stephen was preaching Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one, the Son of God, came and gave His life so that we might have the redemption of sin. The Jewish, uh, the Jewish leadership did not accept that. So now here Stephen is preaching this. So some of the, and if you continue reading uh, the next couple of verses, there were some in the synagogue that didn't like what he was preaching. They went to the leaders in the synagogue and said, Hey, we've got to shut this guy up. Look what it says in verse number 12. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him, they caught him, 
and they brought him to the council. Then it says, and they set up false witnesses which said that this man ceased not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. In other words, they could not stand on the truth because if they listened to the truth, Stephen would be found innocent. So they bring Stephen before the council and this is what Stephen does. I love this. In Acts chapter 7, we're not going to read that, but this whole chapter, this is they have brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin or these, this council. Stephen begins to tell them the history of the Jewish people. He starts with Abraham. He tells about Abraham and how the descendants of... He tells about, about Moses. He talks about Jacob and the twelve sons and, and he describes all of this that's going on. Listen, this council of the Sanhedrin... We're sitting there and Stephen is speaking and they're going, Amen. Yes, Abraham was the father of the Jews. Yes, Moses was our leader. Yes, we went into captivity. Yes, we came out of captivity. We, we keep our focus on God. And then Stephen changed the subject. He kept going along this line and he gets down to Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. Listen to this. Well, if we're going to get why he... Back up to verse number 48. He says, How be it, and this is Stephen speaking to this group of people, How be it that the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest hath not my hands made all of these things and he's talking about Jesus here and then he looks at this group of men and this is what he says you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and in ear you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did so do you which of the prophets have, you, have your fathers not persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, whom ye have been now the betrayer and murderers. Here this guy is Stephen, standing in front of this group of Jewish leaders. He just called them a bunch of murderers. He says, you stiff-necked, hard-headed people, the prophets come and told you about who Jesus was, you have refused to believe it, and not only that, you turned around and you betrayed him and you murdered him. Now how do you think this council is taking this? Who have, and he's talking to them, who, you, have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it? When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he talking about Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now I just have to stop for a second. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when He left and He was ascended, what did He do in heaven? He sat at the right hand of the Father. He was seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us 
But now here, Stephen is given testimony. Stephen is given testimony of how great Jesus Christ is. Y'all have rejected him. But I am telling you, he is the creator of the world. He's the one that redeems us from sin. They're not liking this at all. And then he sits there. And I want you to know, when, when Stephen looks up, he says he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Now, I don't want to read between the lines. But I think Jesus is looking down on earth and he sees Stephen making a stand for who Jesus Christ is. You go, brother. Amen. Man, you're doing a great job. He brought Jesus to his feet. And I love it when we start singing. Hey, I don't ask them of you to sing, but I, I, I'm telling you, sometimes we sing words to these songs and you just can't help yourself. All glory to the Father. His name, I stand in all of you. My goodness, it just makes you want to stand to your feet. I want you to know what old Stephen was doing here for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ brought Jesus to his feet. And when Stephen looks up into heaven and God allows him to see the very throne of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, he even says it in verse 56, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open." and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God, I believe those men stopped and looked up. Do you think for a second they saw what, what Stephen was seeing? They were not believers. They didn't see what Stephen was seeing. And it just made them that much angrier. Verse 57, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stuck their fingers or stopped their ears, and they ran upon him with one accord, they cast him outside the city and they stoned him. And witnesses laid, or laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. My, my, my. Now, I, I know... Well, Brother Wayne, I thought you was talking about when Paul on the road to Damascus sees Jesus. We haven't got there yet, but we're fixing to be there. Okay? I, I, let me just say, it's a long introduction and be a short message. But I, I, we need to see this. We need to see this. Now, I'm not reading Scripture right here. I'm telling you, and I want to make this clear, this is what Brother Wayne believes. Okay? I believe that Stephen was the Jews' last chance to repent of their unbelief. That Jesus was the Son of God. The Messiah. The Christ that was prophesied for. Now if you read in... Oh, I didn't look up the verse. I believe it's uh, Acts chapter 11 verse 25 and it says, And there is a blindness that is put on the Jews today until the to the Gentiles, it becomes full. In other words, until the church is full. There has been a blindness placed over the Jews. And I believe that this is when that blindness settled over the Jews. When they had one last opportunity, Stephen comes, he proclaims Jesus, the Son of God, the crucified, the risen Savior of the world. The Jews rejected it. It says right there in that last verse, and the ones that were throwing their stones, they laid their garments at the foot of the man named Saul. Saul was an enemy of God. Saul was an enemy of church. Look what it says in 
the first couple of verses of chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. In other words, he approved of this. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except for the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his, to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing, and hailing men and women, committing them into prison. Now, Keep this in mind, what it just says right there. It says that, again, we read a while ago that when they stoned Stephen, the people in Jerusalem began to scatter. Do you remember what we read back over in Acts chapter 11? And when they scattered as a result of Stephen's uh, death or his stoning, they went out preaching the Gospels to who? No one but the Jews. And now, here comes Saul. And he is, he is on a rampage. Anyone that is a Jew that is professing or confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, he is arresting them and having them thrown into prison. Now flip one more page. In my Bible it's one more page. At chapter number 9. Acts chapter number 9. It says there, and Saul, yet breathing out, threatening and slaughtering against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. He desired of him letters to go to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of, notice that, his way. Talking about the way of Jesus. Uh, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 20, 30 years ago, they put out a Bible. And the name of the Bible was, his way, and in reference to this verse. And it was just a translation that talked about if you believed in, in Jesus. Now it says it. He was, I'm going to read verse 2 again. And he desired him letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Then it goes on and says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there was a sh there shining round about him a light from heaven. Here is Jesus after the resurrection. The apostle, or, or, or Saul, he later became an apostle. Saul is now bringing out threatening uh, accusations against anybody that believed in Jesus. He is on his way to Damascus. And Jesus stops him mid-stride on the road to Damascus... And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I want you to know, Saul has no idea who this is or who is speaking to him. It is a blinding light. The men around him, they fall also to the ground. In the reference it says that some could hear a sound, but they did not understand the voice. Saul understood every single word he said. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He goes on in the scripture, verse number 5, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Is it as hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Rise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what to do. I want you to know 
Saul has experienced a revelation. He has, he has encompassed himself around a group of people that said this Jesus is a phony, this Jesus is fake, this Jesus has nothing to do with the Jewish faith. He says, we must fight against him. I don't know who's listening to me this morning. And I'm looking out into the land of Facebook as we're going to send this out. And to people that are going to be listening to this podcast, if we surround ourselves with people who do not believe in Jesus, you're going to wind up believing the same thing. That there is no Jesus, that there is no Savior, and you will suffer the result of your unbelief. Amen. Let me tell you what Saul had to do in order to be saved. He had to repent. Not repent of his sin. He had to repent of his unbelief. Jesus died for sin on the cross. The sin that's been paid. But listen, if we don't repent of our unbelief, we cannot have eternal life. This is what the scripture says. Well, here, let me... This is... You know, so many people know John 3.16, but so many people don't know John 3.15. Listen to what John 3.15 says. John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you realize that John 3.15 said that? John 3.16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says it twice. Back to back. Whoever believes. Listen. We need to repent of our unbelief. Paul or Saul has surrounded himself with a bunch of Jewish believers or people who have, have, who have denied that Jesus existed, denied that He was the Son of God. And if we surround ourselves with them same groups of people, you will also fall into that same unbelief. Amen. Please, please, listen to what the Word of God says and believe believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So, Paul gets himself up off the ground. It says when he opens his eyes, these are the next couple of verses, when he opens his eyes, he realizes he's blind. Some people have to lead him into the city. He's led into the city. He's, at a, he's on a house on Straight Street. And the Lord calls a man named Ananias. And this is what he tells Ananias. Verse number 15. Acts chapter 9. Verse number 15 says this. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he... Now this is the Lord speaking to Ananias. Go thy way, for he, speaking of Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and the children of Israel. Why has God now chosen a man to go to the Gentiles? Because the apostles have gone out and they have preached to who? Jews only. Now we see how God has opened up the Scriptures and now He is making it available to you and me. We're all Gentiles. Praise God. Amen. Now, now, don't let this be a surprise. You go back in the Old Testament Scriptures, even when God, when God uh, talked to Abraham, He said, listen, all nations, which included us, will be blessed by your offspring. Speaking of Jesus, it was all part of the plan that God was going to open up the gospel to you and I, the Gentiles. 
And it is through this man, praise God, that God sent a man named Saul, an unbeliever, who became a believer to go into the world to reach you and I. I let, let me give you the punchline. The punchline is this. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the punchline. Alright? I want you to know Jesus Christ came so that every single person under the sound of my voice could come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and that they could be saved. Saved from what? Saved from their sin. Jesus paid that sin debt for every single one of us. Now, will you just simply believe that Jesus did that? Would you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart to save you? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He died on the cross? Do you believe that He rose from the grave? Simple Gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. The simple Gospel. This is what Paul says. This is what he came and he brought to us. When we read about this, look at this. This is, this is what happened when, when Paul sat down. I, I keep saying Paul here in this scripture. When Saul sat down, Ananias came to him. He told him, he said, now this is what God has told me to tell you. And he repeats this. And when he repeated this, it says that things like scales fell from his eyes. He could see and immediately he believed was baptized and then it, it, then it goes on in verse number 20 and it says and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the son of God the very thing that he was fighting against now keep in mind when you look at that word Christ and where it says and straightway he preached Christ Christ means the anointed one Christ means uh, the Messiah. So he goes into the synagogue, the very place that he was going to arrest people, and he begins to preach the message that of, of, the, of what he was going to arrest the people that were doing. He immediately began to preach. Guess what happened to him? They immediately, when they heard Paul or Saul preaching this message, the Jews got mad at him and they intended to put him to death. When they went, intended to put him to death, the believers in Jesus took Paul, they put him in a basket, they lowered him over the walls of Damascus because the Jews were there to put Paul to death just like he was coming to put these other Christians to death. It says it, says it right here. Verse number 24. But there lay a weight was known of Saul. In other words, he knew these people were waiting for him to kill him. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, let him down by the wall in a basket. They let him down in the wall in a basket. Now, if you want to know the full story of Paul, I, this, this doesn't surprise me. It says they let him down in a basket. And verse 26 says... And when Paul was come to Jerusalem, huh, do, do you realize between, between verse 25 and verse 26, there is a 15 year period. See, we find this out when we study the Word of God. 
Because what we find out, uh, okay, I, I've got I've got time to get one more good scripture in here. Galatians. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians. Galatians chapter one. And I know some of you sitting out there that have been in our Sunday school class, you realize that it was about about two years ago we went all through this talking about the mysteries of Paul and, and how he got started in the ministry and where he was at when he was there. I believe this is another scripture that a lot of people don't realize is in their Bibles and uh, they don't understand a lot of what, what Paul's uh, incident was. But look what it says in Galatians chapter 1. And verse number 11, the problem that, that Paul is having here at this church in Galatia is, and Galatia is not a city, Galatia is an area, uh, not, not big as Texas, but probably about the, about the size of Georgia. That's, it's, a, it's an area, and these churches have been established there, and they've had the Jews have come in and they started teaching them says, okay, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you also got to keep the law of Moses. That's not what Paul has preached. So, so Paul is having to defend where he got the message that he preached. Look what it says in verse number 11. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. In other words, after Paul got saved, he didn't run back and sit down with the twelve disciples. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we're not talking about on the road to Damascus, so what we have to understand is that Paul has now had another encounter with Jesus Christ. He says, For you have heard of my conversations in time past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure... I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jewish religion above many my equal in my own nation being more zealous of the traditions of the fathers but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace now he's referring to the road to Damascus to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen Immediately I conferred not with the flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia. You see, many people don't realize. Immediately after Paul got saved in Damascus, it says then he went to Arabia. Well, guess what else is in Arabia? Mount Sinai. But it says that he went to Arabia and he returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So what we see is immediately after, Jesus, or after, after Saul gets saved, he then goes to Arabia and there's a three-year period that Jesus Christ teaches the Apostle Paul the message of the Gospel to us Gentiles. Why is it important that we understand these uh, after resurrection appearances of Jesus? After the resurrection appearance of Jesus to the man named Saul, 
resulted in your and my salvation. As God used him as a tool to reach the Gentile nation to give us an opportunity to be saved. Let, let, me, let me say this key verse one more time. Luke 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus Christ came and He walked three and a half years in Jerusalem and in the area of the Jews doing miracles, raising the dead, making the blind to see, healing the paralyzed. He done all these things and the Jews rejected Him as their Messiah and as their Savior. And then, when they rejected to the point that, I guess you might say to the point of no return, God says, okay, I'm going to call me another people and that people are going to be the Gentiles. And I'm going to make a people out of them who were no people. He called us. And today, we have that same privilege to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Have you done that? I hope and pray that you have. Praise God. He has given us the message of salvation. He has even put the Holy Spirit in this world today that when you hear that message, that Holy Spirit will convict your heart. I'm praying this morning, whoever's listening, that that Holy Spirit right now is convicting your heart of your unbelief of who Jesus is and that you will come to know Him as your personal Savior. Let's stand here. Fathers, we've come together. God, as we've opened up Your Word and as we've looked at it, all we can do this morning is say, praise Your holy name for loving us and sending us someone to tell us about the Gospel. This that took place some 2,000 years when, when Paul was going from city to city and establishing churches and it has spread like wildfire around the world and that gospel is still being preached today and God, people are still being saved as a result of this gospel. We just pray that it will be effective and prosperous this morning as we have preached it again. And God, we thank you so much for your saving grace that you've given us. Now, Father, as we sing this hymn of invitation, my prayer is that people will accept you as their personal Savior as they come just like they are because you have paid the ultimate debt of sin on the cross for our sins. And we pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.